Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Let's pray, everybody. Here we go. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for our seniors. We thank you for the opportunity to be together. Holy Spirit, ready our hearts to receive not what man has to say, but what you have to say. What you have to say is important. What I have to say is not, Lord. I yield to that. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place to rule, to reign, to have your way. You are welcome, Lord. We yield to you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Now, our root verse for this afternoon now, not this morning, is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, as his divine power has given to us all things. Now, I'm going to read that again. And when when I come to all things, everybody say it out loud. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. How do I get this all things? Through the knowledge of him. If you're struggling in your walk with God or you don't have a walk with God, it's called lack of revelation and lack of knowledge. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Well, the King James says it is where there is no vision, the people perish. That's Proverbs 29, 18. By which have been given to us, what? By which? By, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and prom- precious promises. What has given us that? The power of God, which is the Holy Spirit. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So by which, by the Holy Spirit, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. As a born-again believer, if you are not centered around two things, one of them's a person, one of them's a thing. If you are not centered around these two things, you're off track. And that is, get ready, everybody hear me now. If you're not centered around these two things, you are off track. And that is the voice of the Holy Spirit and melting away unbelief. That's what your life should be all about. No, I've got a job. I've got kids. Listen, you focus on those things. You won't have to work as hard. You won't have to work as hard to be a parent. You won't have to work as hard to be a spouse or a friend or a church attender, whatever it is, because the overflow of God will take care of that for you. By which, by the power of God, having given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. That through what? Through the promises of God. Many Christians believe that they are partakers of the divine natures because occasionally they get a chill that runs up and down their spine or they have a good service. But no, unless you are operating and dwelling in the promises of God, unless you are delving out the promises of God, you are not a partaker of the divine nature. This is the Bible that's talking to you, not me. You have to be operating in the promise of God that through these, the promises of God, you may be partakers of the divine nature. 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So if you want to be a partaker of God's divine nature, you have to be committed to the promises of God. Promises such as you are well, you are healed, you are prospered, you are anointed, you win every time, you give that to other people, you heal, you raise the dead, you give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, you do all of those things. You don't close your church, you do all those things. Just so everybody knows, the second highest court in the land in the state of Florida just ruled mask wearing to be unconstitutional. Just so you know, the second, and it's not just for now, it's also retroactive. It goes, it goes into the future. So the next time the government tries to mandate it, doesn't matter whether it's a city government, doesn't matter whether it's county government, doesn't matter whether it's a church, a business, they cannot make you wear a mask, period. It's unconstitutional, period. Amen. That's the truth. Never should have been. You decide what you want to do with this, but some of your businesses are telling you that you're working for. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not telling you what to do. That's Philippians 2.12. You do it. You decide. But I can tell you this. Some of your businesses are telling you, you know what, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. As far as I'm concerned, they didn't have any right to put a mask on my face to begin with. I'm walking in without a mask. I don't care whether they think I'm vaccinated or not. They have no right to ask me about that either. It's time for people to stand up. It's time for men and women to have some testicular fortitude and start standing up for the Constitution and for the Bible. It's time. It's time for everybody to stop getting into just so much of the, let me just be loving. Let me just be graceful. Let me just be cordial to other people's feelings. It's not that time. Plus, Jesus wasn't even like that. I didn't see Jesus wandering around saying, let me try not to offend. Let me not work a nerve. Work them. But we need to be operating in the promises of God. You know that you can say today if you want, Body, you will never be sick again. That's God's will. And all the church is closed. How does that fit with the Bible? Doesn't. You never have to be depressed again. You're to stir up. What's the verse that comes before that? For God has given you a spirit, of, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. What's the verse before? It says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. You stir it up. You stir up the gift of God, which is in you. You feel bad, you stir up the gift of God, which is in you. You never, have, you never have to spend a day in defeat. You do not have to die before your time. Your time is 120. You do not have to die before that. And a lot of people, they're like, you know what? I've tried all this. I've laid hands on the sick and it didn't work. Now you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to supplicate and do it again. You're supposed to then put in the work, which I'll show you. I'll give you the steps. Let me show you the example of Jesus first, John chapter 11, 32 through 44. I'm going to read this quickly. John 11, 32 through 44. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Speaking of her brother, Lazarus. 
Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. You know what Christians, you know how many Christians really care about healing other people? None. I'm telling you, it's true. The people who healed people in the New Testament put the time in. You're like, Tom, I'm saved by grace. I'll get to that. You're saved by grace, but just as a preview, you're saved by grace, but the revelation of all that that grace holds, it comes through works. I know that some of you are afraid to, I know that some of you are afraid to okay or amen when I use the word works. But have you ever read the Bible? You ought to read that when you get home today, read the entire book of, of James chapter two. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Whoops! James chapter two, verse 24. Faith by itself that is not accompanied by action is dead. James chapter two, verse 17. I'll show you my faith by what I do. James chapter two, verse 18. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James chapter two, verse 26. That's a fact. Facts. Right there. The Bible stuns as many Christians as the Constitution stuns Americans. And Jesus said, and he said, verse 34, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Jesus cared. He cared. Now, how did he care? Well, let's look. Then Jesus said, see how he loved him. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him, speaking of Jesus. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, take the stone away. Martha, of course. The sister of him who was dead said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. I can tell you that's the truth. And being in law enforcement for as many years as I was, I can verify that to you. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? What's the stipulations for seeing the glory of God? Belief. So what would hold back seeing the glory of God? Unbelief. That's it. That's it. That's it. There's nothing else. No, I sinned a lot too. That is unbelief. I'll show you all of this because I'm going to preach this entire message too. It even takes three hours. I'm just kidding. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from that place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this. Jesus didn't even need to pray. He's doing that for their benefit. That they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice. Here's his long, deep theological prayer, hermeneutical prayer. Lazarus, come forth. That's it. Not beest thou. Thou. 
And he who had died came out and bound, out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Done deal. That's supposed to be you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. You have all of this. But Tom, but a lot of us, listen, we amen it. And I'm glad that you're amen in it. I'm glad that, listen, the first step is to acknowledge what we have. The second step will be the difficult one. You sure you want to take it? Because the first step will be like these stage stairs. The next step is coming up. It's uncomfortable. The second step is to say that I'm not doing these things. I certainly am not doing them to the degree that I want to be doing them. Every person that I lay hands on that is agreeing with me should be made well. If they don't want it, that's on them to die. But if we are in agreement, that person should be alive. And if, they, if they're not, that's a problem. And you can be, listen, you can hide from it if you want, but you'll be disappointed on the day of judgment. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him. For the things done while in the body, whether good or bad, God has an expectation of good. And we're supposed to be performing in the promises of God. You're like, Tom, we hear this all the time around here. Yes, because I'm not going to sit here and preach to you. And then when we get to heaven and we see each other and you find out that you didn't receive the crowns that you were expecting, that you come up to me and say, Tom, you never told me and you were my pastor. I'll be able to say, you know what? Let's rewind. Because I did tell you. I thought that I was just mere church attender. No, you're not. You're a power pack. You're just underperforming, and I am underperforming. You have to ask yourself, if this was me, would this happen? I've tried to raise people from the dead. Have you? Good. You didn't make it, did you? Neither did I. But you know what? My theology has not changed. Not one bit. I drove to the funeral home where my father-in-law was late at night by myself. I drove there. I sat out in the parking lot in the rear end of that, end of that joint and I said, Jim, come on out. And because he didn't, that's me. Or maybe he just told God I don't want to come back. He'd probably stick it to me like that and make fun of me when I see him in heaven. <laughs> But I can tell you, my theology has not changed, and I've lost battles. I've lost battles in this room. There's people in this room that have lost loved ones that I've prayed for, and they were not made well. It's not acceptable. I'm glad you didn't leave me. But it's unacceptable. Know that I am on a journey, and I will get to the place because I'm digging in deep, and I'm going hard. It takes works to get to that place. Who are the greatest miracle workers in the New Testament? Jesus and Paul, and both of them had the Bible memorized. It wasn't easy to go memorize the Torah. You try to memorize genealogies. I think I'd rather pull out one whisker at a time for 10 years straight. And I'm not telling you you have to have the whole Bible memorized, but the Bible has to be you and you have to be the Bible or you can forget it. And it's not that Jesus comes and says, well, I honor your works and I honor what you're doing, so now I'm gonna lay power on you. You already have it. You have the measure of faith already. You already have it. And it's just like I told the first service, how many people in here have ever had your air conditioner freeze up? 
In the state of Florida, almost always, you'll have a, you'll go out and, why, why is our air conditioning blowing warm? Yeah. It's functioning, everything's working, but the air conditioning's blowing out warm air, and you go out into the garage, and you pull off the little vent thing, the, the, the door on the, whatever you call the thing that hangs in the garage. What's it called? Air handler. Thank you, guys. The air handler, you pull it up, and you look, and there's a big block of ice in there. You're like, I think that would make me cold. It doesn't. <laughs> it makes you warm. The air conditioner's functioning, is it not? It's functioning. It's just blowing out wrong air. That's, that's the modern church. That's me to a degree. That's you to a degree. Because the thing is, if we were doing what God had called us to do, we could not contain the move of God in Inglewood, Florida. I'm telling you, we start raising people from the dead, giving sight to the blind, winning mass, mass salvations. It's not just miracles like that, but it's miracles of anointing that you walk into a room and people go, something's different about that lady. That's the way it's supposed to be. You walk in and people go, something's just different about that person. It's called walking and anointing. And God opens up the floodgates for you to share the gospel. That's the way that it's supposed to be. So we need to ask ourselves, and who will do it? Is this me? If this was me facing a man four days dead in the tomb, would I be able to raise him from the dead because you're called to? And what am I going to do if it's not me? Do I do these things? Come on, Tom. That was Jesus. That's AKA, also known as the theology of 99.9% of Christians. That's why they all closed their churches. That's why Canada, the Canadian church doesn't exist. It's gone. A few pastors up there being arrested, three so far. Other than that, doesn't exist. Because nobody operates by what the word of God says. They actually make a golden idol of Jesus instead of Jesus himself, which is the word. They worship the image of Jesus instead of the living word of God. Tom, that was Jesus. No, that's just, that's the, that's just evangelical folklore if you believe that that was for Jesus and not for you. That's the church that closed this door. That's the vaccinated church. That's the Canadian church, the Michigan church, the California church, the New York church. 99% of the churches in Florida operate in their own theology. They do not operate in the word of God. The word of God's too tough to deal with. You mean I'm called to do these things? Well, let's look. Romans chapter eight. Now remember the argument. Come on, Tom, that was Jesus. Romans 8, 16 and 17, the Spirit himself bears witness. Remember, it's all about the Spirit of God and melting away unbelief. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. He raises the dead, you raise the dead. He heals the sick, you heal the sick. He provides loaves and fishes to the 5,000, you provide loaves and fishes to the 5,000. You are a joint heir from whom much is given, much is demanded. If indeed you suffer with him, that you may also be glorified together. John chapter 14, verse 12. Oh, Tom, come on, it was just Jesus. Most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I'm leaving and going to the Father. And he said, it is to your benefit, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of of judgment. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit 
who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Greater works. And we can, listen, I appreciate it. And I want you to amen me. It's lonely up here when you don't. But I don't want you to just amen me and walk out of here with a little tickle up your spine. You're going to have to go home when there's no feelings, when you don't feel like it, when there's a myriad of other options, and you got to crack open the Word of God for hours and hours and hours and sow into it and renew your mind. It's all about melting away that unbelief and making the AC blow out cold air. If you don't, it's still functioning, still going to heaven. It ain't working right, though. Mark 16, 17, and 18. And again, I tell all of you this before I read this verse. I know you've tried in the, in the past. And I won't tell you to emulate me very often, but I will tell you to emulate me in this. I've tried to. I've failed to, but I have not changed. I know whose fault it is. I recently tried to be mad at God. I couldn't pull it off. Is all that went into my mind was, you know what? You do this, and then when the, you, you basically don't go after my power, don't seek me first, don't prioritize me, and then when you need me, nothing happens. I am here, and I am giving you what you need, but you are too dense to know it, too dense to sense it, too dense to operate in it, too dense to manifest it. It's unbelief. That's it. It's not God not working. Never. It's unbelief, and I know it's unpopular preaching, but don't worry, I'll show you where it's in the Bible. Mark 16, 17, 18. Oh, Tom, come on, that's only Jesus. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. It didn't work the last time I tried it. Do it again. Have you not read the verses? Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, repetition. Do it again. At least you're giving people a chance. Well, they don't want it. Fine. They don't have to have it then. Don't cast your pearls before the swine. Don't lay hands on anyone hastily. 1 Timothy 5.22. I don't. They don't want it. I don't pray over them. Or I'll pray what they want. I just want the Lord to be with me. All right, Lord, be with them in Jesus' name convoluted unbiblical prayer I'll tell them that to their face too all right so what do we do well first of all you have decisions to make and some of these decisions are difficult if you're 52 years old like me you may have to look back and say I've wasted decades that's why I urge you young people don't waste your life like I have don't waste it don't waste it getting caught up with boyfriends and girlfriends and college experiences. Ball those all up and shove them up Joe Biden's caboose. Yeah. <laughs> Just picture that in my mind. <laughs> you have decisions to make. And they're difficult ones when you have to say I've wasted chunks of my life. Well, so have I. Psalm 84.10 says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Amen. Then choose your one day. 
Most of you, listen, the oldest person in this room is probably 80, and at 80, you got 40 years to go according to the word of God. That's the Bible. I don't care what the AMA says. There's, listen, because they honor their parents, there's thousands of people living in Japan that are 110 above. And we in America, oh yeah, average age of death, 77. Bunch of idiots. It is not. Stop speaking that stuff to yourself. You're going to have to make decisions. Joshua 24, 15. Some of you in the midst of sorrow and sadness and loss will going to have to make a decision and be able to say it shouldn't have happened. See how quiet it gets when I say it shouldn't have happened. I didn't say anybody's going to hell. I said it shouldn't have happened. I say it, listen, I say it about things that have happened in my own life. It should never have happened. You heard me say it back in February when I got sick, and I never get sick. should never have happened. I've had people try to come up to me and tell me it was this reason, that reason. No, it's unbelief. Don't even try to get me off of it. It was unbelief, and that's a fact. It'll never happen again in Jesus' name. That's it. I don't care what anybody says because that's the Bible. And the Bible is an affront. The chief cornerstone is an offense to people who want to tear the, tear the building down. No thank you for you. No thank you for your opinions. Don't have any interest in them. You're like, well, Tom, you know what? It's awfully hard on yourself. I don't care if it's hard on myself. What's, what, what, what makes it better? Oh, it was stress. No, it wasn't. I'm not stressed. I'd rather have the Bible. And what, what confronts me right now is when I have lost, what God says to me is you didn't put the time in. You weren't ready. Paul was ready. He had the Torah memorized. Tom Lively wasn't ready. And I've seen great victories. The decisions that we have to make, Joshua 24, 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, and a lot of this, what I'm preaching today, seems evil to people that are watching online. Seems evil probably to some people in this room because you think it's name and claim it gospel. It is not. You've never heard anybody preach to you about unbelief if you haven't sat in a church like this one. Preaching about unbelief is the Bible. Preaching about unbelief is belief. It may seem evil to you to serve the Lord. How does that make you right? And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Serving the Lord does not just mean repenting of your sins. That means you're three years old and perpetually staying that way. It's great. I'm glad you're going to heaven. But it is not what you're called to do. You're called to be a shining city on a hill, not a lamp under a basket. And you may offend. See, we have three potential paths that we can follow. This is just my opinion. You can take this or leave it. But here's the three that I have deciphered. We can go, number one, you can be unsaved or backslidden and go straight to hell. And for those of you who don't ponder that, you need to understand, you need to picture the most desolate you've ever felt in your life, the most desperate, the most lonely, the most miserable, times it by a billion, and that's hell for all of eternity. Why are you not saved? Because you're offended? 
What, are you, what sin is worth that? I know lots of people who are barely even sinning who refuse to get saved. I was way more of a sinner than they were. I gave up way more to be saved than they are. They're actually nice people. They're not looking at porn. They're not cussing. They're not drinking. They're not smoking. They're not getting high. Nothing. They just refuse to get saved. Why do people go to hell? Why? Why? Unbelief. It's not your sin. Your sins are already taken care of. It's choosing not to believe. It's not your sins. They're already gone. Every human being's sin is already gone. So whether you choose to believe, they're gone. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Romans 5, 1 and 2. So number one, unsaved or backslidden unto hell. We're not allowed to say hell in church anymore. Don't care about any of that stuff ever. I'll say Republican, I'll say Democrat, I'll say Joe Biden, I'll say Donald Trump, I'll say vaccination, which got me banned off of YouTube for life. I don't care. Don't care. Don't care. Tom, you seem to have gotten even more bold. That's right. The the stupider I discover the world is, the more bold bold I am in standing up to that stupidity. They're all being exposed as the treacherous liars that they are anyway. It's all coming out. You see, God will come for you, especially when you tamper with the church. If you're Anthony Fauci and you're demon-possessed and you sit there and you tamper with the church, God will come and expose you publicly. You will be the emperor with no clothes. You can run as long as you want, Peter Daszak. God will come for you. All that money funneled through you to the Wuhan Institute of Virology for a bioweapon. By the way, just so you know, that is not conspiracy theory. That comes from Dr. Lee. That's the woman who left the Wuhan Institute of Virology who said, you know what, I was in there. This is a weapon that was being put together by the People's Liberation Army under the CCP and purposely disseminated out into the world. Facts, that's the truth. I don't care what they say. Ban me, Facebook. I don't care. That's what really happened. And then you had all the American collaborators, like Peter Daszak, like Anthony Fauci, like the leaders of the NIH. They're liars, and they're being exposed, and God will come for them for destroying the lives of many, many people. Their response to COVID-19, they're trying to save the three million that allegedly died of it. And their reaction to it killed 300 million. Facts, that's the truth. 300 million people have died so far. You don't get it because you're an American. We're whining right now because there's a mayonnaise shortage. There, there's a food and water shortage because third, first world feeds and houses and hydrates third world and they shut down the first world so the third world is dying off and many of them children by the hundreds of millions of people are dying you just don't know it because we live right here I don't know it because I'm listen I'm no better than you I'm just telling you that we don't know it because we don't see it but that's the truth that came from the UN that's not exactly a right-wing source to save three million they killed 300 million just right up Bill Gates alley I want to save the world I want to lower the population through, through vaccines. Well, in order to do that, you got to release a pandemic first. 
Or at least people may have people believe that it is. I love the goofballs right now sacrificing their own children on the altars of Baal, giving them over to BioNTech and Pfizer for gene therapy, vaccines, their own children, two to five years old. To save them from what? To save them from what? The three potential paths, unsaved, hell-bound. Number two, saved and distracted with no power. Unless you change it, this will be your path. I'm being as sweet as I can be. I said saved. Saved and distracted with no power. And when I say power, I mean producing. I don't mean that you have weird interactions all the time. I saw a demon, I saw an angel, I saw a demon, I saw an angel, I saw a demon, I saw an angel. Nobody gets saved, nobody gets healed, nothing. Everybody I know who sees angels and demons all the time bring nobody to the church. They're just into themselves. Saved and distracted with no power. And number three, saved with these characteristics, teachable, broken, confessing, putting in the effort, putting in the time. That means, you know what? Little Susie may not be able to play volleyball. Little Susie may not be able to play, you know, croquet from during croquet season that you jammed in between volleyball and softball. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't need to play the flute. Who wants to hear that anyway? Maybe you can tell your kid no when they come up to you and say, you know what, I've decided to be a ballerina. No. I don't want to crush their dreams. Choose God. Choose God. What does ballerina mean? What does a ball bouncing around a field mean? It means nothing. It doesn't mean a thing. When you appear before the judgment seat of Christ, it'll mean nothing. Nothing. Saved with these characteristics, putting in the time, putting in the effort, seeking God first, which is saved, which will lead to you being saved with power. It'll just emanate from you. There's not a man in this room that's not capable of benching 300 pounds. You've been given the gift. You have. Why can't you? Because the time wasn't put in. Who cares about weightlifting? I'm just using that as an example. The gift is given. It's the same thing with grace. You've been, you've been saved by grace. Let's look at the verse. Verses, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. So we got it established, right? There I am, grace preacher, right? Could I do any better? That's it. There's the Bible verses. You've been saved by grace. In order for you to discover what that grace means, you're going to have to put works in and works that are going to be disruptive to your life. Motorcycle might get parked. You don't go on the RV trip. All you do when you go on those trips is get fat anyway. I know, I've been fat many times, in and out, lost and gained the same 40 pounds over and over and over again, about midway through it now. 
But if you want power, you're going to have to work for it. Tom, you can't say that in the modern church. I'll show you. Don't worry. I'll show you. I know that shatters many, people, many belief systems, maybe even in this room, but you're going to have to work for it. Who's going to study for you? Grace? Who's going to pray for you? Grace? Who's going to ask the Holy Spirit in your life? Grace? You can't even receive grace without a work. You have to believe. That's a verb, hence a work. Otherwise, everybody's saved. If it's simply by grace, then every Muslim on the planet saved. No, you have to come in repentance. When you get saved by grace through faith, you receive all things, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 32, and every spiritual blessing, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, right? So you have all things right now, currently. You are supposed to be benching 300 pounds now. Now, how many of you have been saved for more than five years? Shout amen. Oh, man, 400 pounds. It's the sight of the gym. You're gassed. It's the kind of spiritual shape you're in. So you've received all things, but let me ask you this. Do you have the Holy Spirit? You can say you do. I know I wouldn't answer in this church either. I would never amen. I would never answer because Tom's going to contradict me. I get you. I don't blame you. I told you before, it would be like when the sheriff used to come into training when I was at the SO. Sheriff would come in and say, does anybody have any questions? (laughs) I would tell the people who work for me, don't ask any questions ever. And I love the sheriff. Tom Knight's his name, loved him. Great sheriff. But I ain't asking that man any questions. But do you have the Holy Spirit? What do do you mean, Tom? Well, Acts chapter 8, 14 through 17, Acts chapter 19, 1 through 7, were a bunch of saved people who were subsequently filled by the Holy Spirit. Do you know that Jesus was subsequently filled by the Holy Spirit? Do you know that? It's in Luke chapter 3 and then leaking into Luke chapter 4. Never before until Luke chapter 4, verse 1, do you see that Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, went out to face temptation of the devil. So Jesus had a second experience with God, then what should you have? Well, you know, I was told by the Calvinist and first, first lukewarm church of River Road, I was told there. Now, you know what? When you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're liars. They're liars. Either by obfuscation, by commission or omission, they're liars. You have to ask, where do you get that from? Just Jesus. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. And for those of you who are filled with the Holy Spirit and you speak with tongues but are doing nothing, you're just, you've turned that experience into your own tradition, making the word of God of none effect. Come on, Tom, don't quit telling us that we have, what do you want me to tell you? If I wasn't pastoring a church, my mom told me the other day, maybe you shouldn't have been a police officer. I said, if I didn't, wasn't that, I would have either been a football coach or a pastor the entire time. And I could never, when I was coaching football, I could never let kids settle for less than what they were capable of, ever. I couldn't sleep with myself at night. Oh yeah, just settle for less. 
I'm not going to let you settle for less. If you want to blow me off, blow me off. If you want to be offended, be offended. That's up to you. But I'm telling you, God has great expectations for you. But the first thing you have to do is you have got to become one with the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying you are the Holy Spirit, but you and him need to be intermeshed together. Do you think the modern churches, the Canadian church, you think, do you honestly think that they are as one with the Holy Spirit? They yielded up all their freedoms. Look what the word of God says. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And that's exactly what they did. It's exactly what the New York church did. It's exactly what the church in Massachusetts did. Connecticut did. Maine did. California did. Oregon. Washington. Exactly what happened. You think that they're, do you think they're hearing the voice of the Spirit? They're not. And then there's plenty of tongue talkers. Some of the revival centers around the world closed. How do you close when you're slaying people in the Spirit? Tommy, you sound angry. I am angry. It's a pathetic sight to see the modern church. And we all need to ask, have I asked? Now, Tom, this makes me uncomfortable. You know, I wasn't raised in a church like this. Who cares what you were raised in? God doesn't care. God certainly does not care. God doesn't care where your grandmother went. No care at all. He doesn't care. I have family members that would never leave the church that they're in ever. Jesus himself could come to them. And they, knowing that it was Jesus. I'm not saying he was, he was disguised or anything. I'm saying they know it's Jesus. He could come to them themselves and say, listen, I want you to leave this church. And they would tell him, go talk to the board. <laughs> See if the board approves it. They, they would start laying out their limbs. Well, my mother went here and my mother's mother went here. Yeah, and they all did nothing either, just like you're doing nothing. And they closed. They closed in April, this April, again, three weeks. Come on, I love these people. I know they hate me now. If they see this, they're really going to hate me. You're like, Tom, there's other loving ways. Well, you know what? I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see Jesus being more loving than I'm being right now. I don't see it. You, you indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Oh, thank you, Lord. You are like whitewashed tombs. Oh, wow, that's edifying. Thank you, Lord. May we bask in the glory of your presence. You wander to and fro throughout the whole earth to win one proselyte, and when you do, you make them twice as much a son of hell as you are. Well, thank you, say the Pharisees and Sadducees. It's not the Bible. We have, we have a total misconception of what Christianity even is. We think it's get saved and sit around. Jesus said, it is my food to do the will of my Father who sent me and to finish his work. That's John chapter 4, verse 3. So we'll get back to the Holy Spirit. Have you asked? And some of you need to ask again. 
If you then, being evil, know how to give, this is Luke eleven thirteen. if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who are saved by grace? No. No. It says to those who ask. You have to ask. Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm asking you to fill me. Well, I tried and tongues didn't come. It's because you're carnal. Look at me now. Look at me now. I know some of you don't want to cross this bridge. The only reason why you haven't spoken tongues when you ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit is you are blocked. Are you going to put time in? No, you, you try. It doesn't work. You go back to work. Your whole day is filled with work. Your whole day is filled with staring at screens. Your whole day is filled with conversations about yourself. No, you know what? If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with tongues, you're going to have to put the work in. You're going to have to melt away the unbelief. He's already done all he's going to do for you. It's you that's blocked. You're buffering. You know your phone when you're trying to get that video and it's buffering? That's you. And it's me too. It's me too. You can either embrace it or live the rest of your life in abstract mediocrity. Abject mediocrity, not abstract. John chapter 20, 19 through 22. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came. This is after Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus came and stood in, their, in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also do what? Send you. Send you. Why, are we, why are you still sending Jesus? Why do you send Jesus? Jesus, heal him. That's not what you're called to do. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You go heal him. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He sent them with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you are saved by grace, but grace does not ask for you, study for you, worship for you, or pray for you. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can pray for you. And he's not even invited in most churches. He's not invited in most Christians' house. They'd rather just go to enabling Bible study. But, you know, taught by Pastor Lukewarm Closed Church. And there's Zoom Bible studies. I'm okay and you're okay. Doodah. Dumbstick. I, will, I do not understand how Christians attend churches like that. I don't get it. I may have to, I don't usually repeat things, but I may do my closing spiel for you guys too, because you need to, maybe need to hear it. Romans 8, 26, how does, look, we invite the Spirit into our life, look what happens. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express, and we don't even invite him in. But you have to ask. Grace does not ask. Grace wipes away your sins. That's it. Grace does not attend church for you. How many of you struggle with attending church? Shout amen to yourself. You know it's true. Don't ask, you know, like, people always want my perspective on this. I was so glad when I came back to church, Tom was happy to see me. Well, of course I'm happy to see you. Well, you think I'm mad at you when you don't attend church? Listen, no matter what you do, my life doesn't change. You're not here today, I'm going to go home. 
lay on my couch for most of the rest of the day, drifting in and out of sleep with chicken bones. That's the way that it is. It doesn't, you attend, great. I'm happy to see you. If you don't, okay. If the church closes in Inglewood and everyone's like, you know, we're going to run that guy, we're going to run that chubby guy out of town, fine. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. I was at the river for Pastor Rodney's birthday on Friday. And I was talking to another pastor. And they were just talking about my boldness. I said, well, here's the thing. I said, I just don't care. I say whatever I want. I stay within the confines of the Word of God. I do not cuss. I don't do any of those things. The worst thing I say is shove things up people's cabooses. That's the worst thing I say. Work out your own salvation if you don't like it. I feel fine about it. Some of you are worried about that and you're dropping F-bombs. Listen, you need to pull the plank out of your own eye. This reminds me of the guy that came, was very disturbed one time because people on the worship team were wearing hats and drinking Red Bulls. At that time, at a very, very young worship team, and they were wearing hats and drinking Red Bulls. And he comes up, I'm like, he comes up and says, you know, I think it's a really bad example for the kids. He was sleeping with his girlfriend. Okay, the people drinking Red Bulls, heaven bound. You, hell bound. Pull the plank out of your own eye. Grace is not going to attend church for you. Grace is not going to seek God first for you. Grace is not going to renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? There's a step-by-step process. What is it? If you want, listen, if you want miracle-working power, your mind, your unbelief has to be renewed. The unbelief has to be renewed out of your mind. You won't really know it. When when suddenly, when you take, like every day, I take a scoop of vegetable powder because I refuse to chew vile weeds. (laughs) Yes, that's from Seinfeld. Newman. Speaking of broccoli. <laughs> the Kenny, Ro- Ro- Kenny Rogers Roasters episode. Excellent. So when I take my vegetable powder, which all I do is literally I take that scoop. I won't even mix it in anything and drink. I refuse to drink it too. I take the scoop. I shove it in my mouth. Raw. It's rancid. And I just put water in there. I'm done. Veggie's done for the day. Boom. I don't feel anything. I don't feel, oh, wow, that's making a difference. You're not going to feel every last part. So how do you renew your mind? You're not going to be driving down the road. Oh, I've reached it. Things will just transform. How do you do it? It's very simple. It's a a two-step process. You offer your, but it's in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. You offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now that's for real though. That means God sets up your calendar. Whoops. Right? God sets up your calendar. Super soccer, mini driving, mini van driving mom. God sets it. Not you. God may tell you to quit your job. God may tell you to change jobs. God may tell your kids, you know what? We're taking the whole year off of sports and you'll be all right. You have to offer your bodies, Lord, I'm yours. Doesn't mean that you're in any danger. You're not in any danger at all with God. You're way safer doing that than you are keeping yourself safe away from God. 
Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loose. What you ask to be prevented is prevented. Just offer your body as a living sacrifice. Lord, I'm here for you. The only threat to my health, the only threat to me is martyrdom. That's it. So present yourself. Will you do it? Or are you afraid to? Look at me now. Will you? Will you? A lot of Christians won't. We, there's a lot of Christian religion out there. What if he calls me to Zimbabwe? Be the happiest you've ever been in your life. You, you're guarding yourself is your gateway to misery. That's step one. Kind of a biggie. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Next one is don't conform to the pattern of the world. That's it. If the world's getting vaccinated, you can take your vaccines, your masks, your vaccine passports, everything else, jam them into a giant ball and shove them up Kamala Harris's caboose. That's the simple path. That's all you got to do. What's the world doing? Then I'll, I'll draw on another theological episode of Seinfeld. Remember George Costanza when he discovered if everything that I've done in life is wrong, then the opposite has to be right? Remember that? Well, that's the same thing here. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. Do the opposite. I'm watching the president of the American Evangelistic Association, which he needs to have things shoved up his caboose too, saying that vaccines are a gift from God. Tell you, watch the commercials. You watch, listen, uh, every podcast you see that I do, there's 10, 15 hours worth of prep work there. I'm watching all this stuff all the time studying. And these commercials come up, and that's what he's preaching to the world, vaccines. And it's your, it is your duty to love thy neighbor and take your vaccine. He needs, he needs, he needs double what went up Kamala Harris's caboose, shoved up his, because he should know better. Maybe an enema will do him some good, flush it all out of there. But grace will not do any of these things for you. Grace will not crucify you. You have to do it. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. I lay my life down. I present myself. You have to do it. And listen, this is going to fade when I stop screaming at you. You're going to get out there. It's 90 degrees. You have concerns about the kids. Get the AC. Go home. Am I going to go right back into the doldrums? A windless sea. Or am I going to choose life? Let your kids see you Bible study for four hours a day. If you've got the time, do it. If the max that you can give God is an hour, give it to them. Most of you can do way more than that. Don't hand me the busy stuff. Eight hours is one-third of the day. One-third, and that's work. If you're somebody who has to sleep for 12, knock it off. What are you doing sleeping for 12 hours? But Christians act like grace does all this. Grace gives you all things, but not the discovery of them. You have them and you don't even know it. Nor does it give you the ability to use them. You have to melt away the ice. You have to melt away the ice and it's work. That all comes from the works of unbelief removal. That's what we'll look into. The flesh has to be subdued. Unbelief has to be eradicated. 14 minutes to go. Everybody with me? So you guys get a little bit longer service. You get a 15-minute longer service than the first service. 
The flesh has to be subdued. Unbelief has to be eradicated or you will not see power ever. A lot of you don't care. I know. I get it. Don't care. I hope there doesn't come a day when you're going to want it because you won't get it automatically. When it suddenly strikes, when aunt whoever or mom, whoever it may be, needs you, not just healing, needs your provision, whatever it is, and you have to believe, or your business, you need $20,000 in a day now. We've had that at this church before. We, needed, we had you know, $1,400 in the bank, and we had to pay an $8,000 bill the next day. You won't be able to do that because you didn't put the time in to renew your mind, to melt the ice away because you know you had to go home and do your hobbies and stare at screens. Don't let that be you. James chapter four, verse eight, most of you know this verse, draw near to God and what will he do? Automatically. It's not, he's not even responding to your effort. It's a misnomer about this verse. He's not going, because I draw near to God, he draws near to you. It's just automatic, like everything. You've already been given him drawing near to you. All you gotta do is draw near to him. You've already been giving, given all power, all authority. All you have to do is believe. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You can't be half in and half out with God. There's, a, there's people in this room who you will serve God until she's hot enough for you to walk away. You know it's true. You know it is. You know it's true. Or he's hot enough to walk away. Now, I love God as long as it fits into my agenda. You've not laid your life down as a living sacrifice. You will never heal the sick, ever. I hope you never need to. James chapter two, verse 26, for as I read this to you earlier, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James two twenty seven. in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Most Christians settle for James chapter two, verse 19. This is how most Christians enter into the kingdom of heaven. You believe that there is one God good, even the demons believe that and shudder. Look at us, we're saved. Great. Great, you're saved. Look at us, we've chosen the one God. Great, good job. What about all the people suffering around you? Jesus cared. You go through every verse, whenever Jesus is in a crowd, how many people did he heal? Yeah, say the three-letter word out loud. Oh, we heal none, statistically speaking. Like, what kind of church is this? A church that wants to rise up from the ashes, an army of dry bones starting to rise. And I know, and I have loved ones in this room. I'm not talking about my family. I'm talking about people that I love in this room. I know you've taken gut punches and you have suffered loss, and so have I. But your best days are ahead. And the ones that you've lost, you're going to see in heaven anyway. Day for the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And for those that are up in heaven, time is not even barely passing. They won't even know. For them, they're going to see you in 15 minutes. That's the truth, by the way. I'll dig that out for you in scripture, but that's the truth. Rodney Howard Brown preached it the other night. He had it like down to the minutes. I'll see my daughter, and she thinks it's 17 minutes. And Rodney Howard Brown is the right, right, right attitude. His, his older brother died. 40 years ago. And Rodney Howard Brown said, because the devil stole him, 
I'll win souls for the rest of my life. He's up to 36 million so far. Amen. 36 million. You can get, listen, you don't like the laughing. You don't like, I don't care. 36 million souls. Heaps. Some of you know what that is. Some of you don't. That's what he's preaching right now. <laughs> I'll roll towards the end. About nine minutes to go with this. Don't settle for James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that there is one God, good, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. Those are all the churches that are closed right now. Because they have no power, they have no discernment, they have no revelation. They don't even, they don't even sense that vaccine passports are a problem. And I see them as Revelation 13, 16 through 18, the mark of the beast. They don't see it. I put this out on the podcast and I put it out on Twitter. There was a high school, I'm trying to remember what state it was in, I can't remember, but it was a state, you know, obviously a state here in the, here in the U.S. And in order for kids to go to their prom, they had to pr- have proof of vaccine. If they didn't, they put a mark on their hand. And nobody sees it. Where's the church in that community? Look, look at me, look at, look at me. Where's the church in that community? Let me ask you this. I'm not saying this to be prideful. But if that was Lemon Bay High School, do you think I would say something? Yes. <laughs> I went to high school with the principal of Lemon Bay High School. He was putting marks on kids' hands. I'd call Bobby Bedford. We, went, we were the same class. <laughs> See, it's all about unbelief versus belief. It starts with faith. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Is that a valid prayer? No. (laughs) What was Jesus' response? If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. He didn't say, okay, I'll increase your faith then. Where does faith come from? You've been given a gift of faith. See, now I want you to see this. A lot of you answered Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, right? I know, don't answer. I don't blame you. I would never answer in this church either. I would never say a word. I'd stare at me like many of you are staring at me right now. Some of you not very happily looking either. Don't worry, it's only seven minutes to go. I'm gonna let you go. No, you were given the measure of faith. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the measure of faith that God has given you. So you're given faith. Even, even if you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not grace, faith is the gift of God. Right? So you've been given the measure of faith. But wait a minute, I thought faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Dispelling unbelief comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you see the difference? Are you getting me? Some of you are looking like you got it. Some of you aren't. In our language and how it is that we put it out in the Bible, sometimes what's really real gets lost in American language into English literature. You need to see the difference between those two. Where Jesus says to somebody, how is it that you have no faith? What is he saying? How is it that you're operating in unbelief? He's not saying they don't have faith. If saved, you've received the measure of faith. It will never increase no matter how much you pray. The measure of faith, that's what you've been given. So let's finish with this. Six minutes to go. Matthew chapter 17, 19 through 21. 
where do you get this unbelief versus belief thing from the Bible? Many of you have heard this verse many times. We're going to do another one after it. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? The demon from the boy. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Why does that not get preached in the church? Well, God's working in his sovereign plan. And it's a mystery shrouded in mist. When we're all dead, we'll all understand it. Oh, wait, I can't wait to get saved under that covenant. <laughs> it's not the covenant. It's not what he said. He said because of your unbelief, not his. He said because of your unbelief. For surely here comes again, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Not nothing will be impossible for Jesus. Nothing will be impossible for you. But I haven't seen the results. That's because of unbelief. In order to get rid of unbelief, it's going to take hours and days and effort. You'll love every minute of it once you sink in. It's like a diet. You'll, you'll like it once you start getting thin. It's miserable to start it. You're addicted to screens. There's not a person in here who's not a dopamine addict. I know some exceptions. Most of us are. However, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Whoops! You got to put time in. What does that mean? Does that mean that God responds to your prayer and fasting? Look at me. Does it? Oh, you know what? Wow. I'm impressed by his fasting. No. God does not respond to your fasting. It gets you out of the belief for what you already have, for what he's already done. He doesn't go, oh, he's fasting. I can move. All it does is melt the ice. Enable you to see who you are. That's what it is. But will you put the time in? Will you do it? That's the only question. God will not study to show himself approved. You have to do that. God will not conform, no longer conform to the pattern of the world. You have to do that. You have to pray without ceasing. You have to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Jesus already did it. Matthew 13, 58. He did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Mark 9, 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Romans 4.20, he did not waver, speaking of Abraham, at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. In case you were wondering about sin, is sin unbelief? Well, let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 3, 18 and 19. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? Who's not going to heaven? But to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter because of their unbelief. Disobedience is unbelief. You don't, go to hell, you don't go to hell for your sin. You go to hell because of unbelief. It's all about the Holy Spirit and unbelief. That's all that your life should be about. No, man, I've got a jam-packed schedule. It's not going to matter to you on the day of judgment. I'm not telling you you're going to hell. You'll still, you're still going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
that each one may receive what is due him, whether good or bad. Worship team, make your way so people think I'm actually ending. I am. Let's see where I want to end this bad boy. I'm trying to see if I want to end at that last one I did in the second service or not. So what pleases God? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What, did, what, did, what, did, what happened in Luke chapter 3, verse 22? Look at this. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. So what pleases God? Look at right here. What was pleasing God? He said, in my son, I, I, you are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. What is his son? That's what pleases God. That's it. That's it. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. You're born, listen, you are born again through incorruptible seed. It's 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. See, I have great, now you know I'm done. I have great expectations for all of you. I see you different than you see you. You've heard me say that many times before. I don't look on this crowd the way that most pastors look on their crowds. I look out here and I see power. I see power that's being held back. And all you got to do, and I'll close with this, and we'll close very quickly at the end when I have you stand. I'm still not over yet. I'm still in my last minute. You need to picture this wall right here. And there's a mighty, mighty river behind it. Pressure-packed water. Where all, if I poked a little hole in here, the size of a needle, that spray would go all the way back to that back wall. Pressurized water. You don't need to make the water flow. You need to get the wall out of the way. Amen. And that's it. Stand with me. Praise you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online, that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.